your minister can't afford to tell you the truth about hell. Now, it could be that he doesn't know the truth. You see, in seminary school, there you are taught in seminary school, or should I say cemetery school, you know, you're taught a set of lies. And one of the lies that you're taught uh, is the teaching of the immortality of the soul. That is that man has an immortal, an immortal soul. And so that is to a large degree, what gives hell its power is this false teaching. But there's just, my point is, there's a lot of false teachings that if you've gone to seminary school, there are assumptions, there are things that you are taught that are absolute lies that you are passing on to your congregation as absolute truth. Now, the subject of hell, only about a third of the world's population even claims to be Christian. And I think the numbers are actually getting less as we see the infiltration of more uh, converts to maybe Islam or the Muslim community, whatever, I'm not sure. But, but the numbers of Christians are actually getting less. Now, does this mean that 60% of humanity is going to go to a never-ending hell fire when they die? Because, again, only about a third of the world's population even claim to be Christian. Now, you think about that. Okay, man, 60%, 66%? You mean God is going to lose 66% of the world's population, and they're going straight to an ever-burning hellfire? Now, is this really the actions of a just and merciful God? What do you think? Is this the way you view God? Do you really believe that God is going to destroy 60%, 66% of the world's population? Now, according to mainstream teaching, yeah, that's basically what you believe. If you believe in what I call mainstream Christianity, mainstream churchianity, that only about you know 33% uh, even claim to be Christian, and, and, and the 66%, yeah, according to your own faith, according to your own belief system, you have to somehow admit they're going to be lost. They're going to burn for all of eternity in a place called hell. You know, if Christianity is getting smaller, that means hell is getting larger. That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Now, again, I ask, is this really the actions of a just and merciful God? Now, if you'd like more information on this subject about God's calling and the rest of the dead, I would uh, encourage you to visit Is That Really in the Bible and click on the podcast tab. Listen to the program, You May Approach, Program 101, and also Program 102, entitled The Rest of the Dead. Now, Jesus did speak about the subject of hell. In Matthew 5 and verse 29, he says, If your right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of your members should perish, and that not your whole body should be cast into hell. Now, the word there is Gehenna, and it's talking about a hell fire. Then in Matthew 5 and verse 30, he says, If your right hand offend thee, cut it off, 
and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of your members should perish, and not that your whole body should be cast into hell. Now, a little Bible trivia here. If I were to ask, show me in the Bible where Jesus is not to be taken literally, this is one of the verses that you'd want to turn to, that Jesus was not talking about literally cutting off a hand or literally cutting off uh cutting out your eye because you see your 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 eyes don't cause you to steal you know your hand doesn't cause cause you to steal this is all about what's going on in the mind it's what's between the ears in order to really solve this problem you'd have to cut off your head and i don't think anybody really wants to do that but i i've just reason i mention this is because i have heard of stories that where someone did this they cut off a hand because of something they were doing it was causing them at least they thought causing them to sin or causing them to you know the temptation or whatever but no that's that's not where your temptation really lies not in your body parts but it's between your ears so if you want to deal with this problem it starts with what goes on in your mind and that's what christ wants us to cut out cut out the evil things the evil thinking the evil thoughts that causes us to carry out the actions with our bodies now jesus continue on he says in matthew 10 and verse 28 he says and fear not them which kill the body but not are able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell so we're talking about when when it talks about god is able to destroy both soul or both spirit and body you know he's talking about complete annihilation he's talking about the end of you now the subject of hell is probably one of the most confusing subjects out there. And one of the reasons, and rightly so, and I'm going to explain why I believe that, because the the King James translator, when they translated the Bible into English, they took one word to explain three different words. And the one word they took was the word hell to explain three different uh, words that have totally different meanings. Uh, The first word is Hades, which means grave. Uh, People used to talk about putting their their potatoes in hell. Well, the word is grave. The second word is Tartaru, which is a binding place for evil spirits. And the third word is Gehenna, is a reference to the Valley of Hinnom. It was a literal burning smoldering like garbage dump that existed in jesus days and the bodies of dead criminals and carcasses of dead animals were thrown off the edge of the cliff and it would burn and it would smolter and carcasses would breed worms and you know flies and you know just a nasty place a sort of smoke a smoldering burning garbage dump the valley of Hinnom. Gehenna, and when Jesus talked about the being in danger of Gehenna fire, his disciples could cast their eyes south of Jerusalem or whichever the way it was, and they could look at that smoke boiling up, and they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about destruction. He was talking about burned up Gehenna fire. The thought of burning for all eternity never entered their mind i can guarantee you that 
because there was not any kind of you know nonsense teaching of the immortality of the soul they didn't have that concept in their head because it's not a biblical concept that teaching so they knew what jesus was talking about when he said you know you're going to be in danger of gehenna fire it was a literal fiery smoking garbage dump that existed in jesus days so the confusion exists because the king james translator took one english word hell to cover the meaning of three different words and the words were hades the grave tartaru a binding place for evil spirit and gehenna fire a fiery you know burning place where debris and garbage and all was burned up that existed in jesus day in the valley of Hinnom, gehenna fire so this is the reason the confusion exists because when you're reading along in your bible there is no distinction unless you've got a more of a modern translation but you'll in the king james you'll come across this word hell and you'll think well what, what you know is that that must be talking about gehenna fire and most of the time it is not talking about that for example luke 16 and verse 23 who hasn't heard this story lazarus and the rich man and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment and sees abraham afar off and lazarus in his bosom so the word hell there is not gehenna it just means grave and in the grave he lifted up his eyes obviously this is talking about a resurrection here I mean, that's what happens when you're in the grave and you lift up your eye. You're dead, obviously, and you lift up your eyes. You're being resurrected. So, you know, unless you understand this, you're going to be greatly confused about the subject of hell. While we're on this subject, let's take this Lazarus and the rich man. You know, why does it have to be a rich man that is portrayed as evil? I mean, think about that. That That's the way that in seminary school you're taught this is, this is what they use to back up the teaching of an ever-burning, eternal hellfire. They take a parable of Jesus, and this is basic 101, understanding the Bible. You never, ever take a parable to establish doctrine. That's a no-no. That's not how you establish doctrine. You establish doctrine, you know, line upon line here, a little there, a little. You establish the doctrine of the law of God and what the Bible says. But you don't take a riddle, a parable, an allegory, which is what a parable is, and you don't use that to establish doctrine. And you sure don't use it to establish some kind of crazed doctrine about an ever-burning place hellfire where people burn for all eternity but but in seminary school this is what you're taught this is the, one of the main scriptures they'll use to try to back up this teaching and it says you know there's a little statement that he may dip you know to call lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue you know if you uh, for i am tormented in this place you know if you apply logic to this and you just you know you you try to understand it the way these ministers teach this okay all right here's this man he's in hell he's burning okay according to the concept according to this false teaching he's in hell burning now if you were burning up would you call for a medicine dropper of water to cool your tongue well i wouldn't i mean i would call for a, a deluge i mean a, 
a fire extinguisher at least uh maybe a dam to break and just flood the whole place but why would you call for a dropper of water to cool your tongue it doesn't make any sense now the whole teaching if you go on at the end of this parable the meaning of what jesus is wanting us to get is explained at the end where he says look if they won't believe moses and the prophets they wouldn't believe the one was sent from the dead what does it take to get a person to believe the bible well it takes the bible and if they won't believe that they're not going to believe though one was resurrected from the dead you know a lot of times we think well if there were signs and miracles and wonders and if someone rose from the dead and told me to get my act straight well i might do it no no you wouldn't do it if you don't believe moses and the prophets if you don't believe the bible the word of god the law of god then nothing is going to change your heart absolutely nothing now are there people burning in hell right now are there children in hell burning right now you know the missionary doesn't get over there and the little girl dies of aids and she doesn't get saved okay is she in hell burning right now how about teenagers are there teenagers in hell burning right now are there adults adults burning in hell right now been burning for what six thousand years i guess is that you know i mean do you actually believe that and do you believe that if you don't get people saved, that that's where they're going? I mean, is it any wonder? Christianity, people just look at it and say, that's ridiculous. That is, you ever thought that it may be because of our teaching, that the insanity of some of our teachings, that that's the reason people don't believe in God and don't believe, don't want anything to do with religion? If I didn't know the truth, I wouldn't want anything to do with religion. I would not want anything to do with mainstream religion. But because God has called me and opened my heart and mind up, there's things I understand that, you know, a lot of religious people don't understand. And this is one of them. No, God, there are not people burning in hell right now. So let's talk about the real hell fire that is coming. Now, I believe that out into the future, there's going to be a fire that will destroy people. Just like if you take a piece of paper, cold winter night, and you chunk it in your wood stove. Your wood stove is really burning, and the draft is set really good. It's throwing out some heat, and you open that door, and you throw in that little piece of paper. And what happens to it? Well, it just, you know, it almost just, just, just disintegrates. It gets sucked up through the flue, and it's gone. Nothing left. Okay, this is, this is the hell I believe in. Total destruction. In other words, you get rid of the person. Now... Okay, let, let's consider out into the future what I call the real hell, when the, when, real, when the real hell will exist. You know, my wife, let me, let me digress a little bit, she likes to recycle, and it drives me crazy because I don't like to recycle anything. You know, I just like to get rid of that junk quickly. But, you know, the, the, the concept of recycling, you take something like a piece of plastic, plastic bottles, and they melt it down, and they, they probably turn it back into plastic bottles again. Now, that's not always, you don't always turn it into the exact same thing. You melt down steel, you take an old car to the scrap iron place, and they melt it down, and they're definitely not going to turn it into the same car, but they're going to turn it into something, you know, made out of steel, metal, whatever. But the, the idea of recycling is, is, is something that, here, here's what I'm trying to say. God is going to recycle the earth and the heavens. He's going to recycle it. God believes in recycling, I guess. 
Let's take a look at it. Second Peter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you believe that? That God's will is for us that none should perish. As we look at all the people that has ever existed before Christ, in the Old Testament, New Testament times, 6,000 years of the history of mankind, God's not willing that any should perish, but that they all should come to repentance. Now, how's that going to take place? Well, we'll, I'll touch on that a little bit maybe later. Second Peter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So God's going to recycle the whole earth eventually. Now, before this time comes, now understand something. Before this time actually comes, when God recycles the earth and melts it with fervent heat, melt, imagine that, melt it, if you can get a visual of that, that's pretty hot, is it not? When the earth melts with fervent heat. But before this time comes, God's going to see to it, that everybody gets at least one chance for salvation. Yeah, all the people that have ever lived and died, God's going to see to it that God get that that they all excuse me that all people get at least one chance for salvation. And to understand that, you know, you'd have to listen to another program about the second resurrection. But again, I'm encouraging you to listen to podcast 101 you may approach and podcast 102 the rest of the dead and you can find that at is that really in the bible.net and just click on the podcast tab or or you can go to is that really in the bible.podbean.com that's my server for the podcast that is let me repeat that again is that really in the bible.podbean.com and you can check out those podcasts you may approach and the rest of the dead so when god recycles the earth now again you got to understand that this this occurs after the return of christ this occurs after the thousand year year reign of christ on this earth this occurs after the second resurrection you have the first resurrection at the beginning of Christ's return. Then after the thousand-year reign of Christ, you have the second resurrection, the rest of the dead. And then God's going to recycle everything. Now what next after God recycles the earth? Well, Revelation 21 and verse 1 tells us, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Again, this is your real hellfire. Anything that's left on that earth that is physical, flesh and blood, will be destroyed. And in this recycling process, God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Fascinating indeed. Now, what? let's talk a little bit about what gives hell its power, and that is the false teaching. I mentioned this earlier, the false teaching of the immortality of the soul. I, I've heard that all cultures have their concept of the immortality of the soul. The Egyptians had their concept of the immortal soul. And, and of course, actually, it was Satan's first lie that he ever told in the Garden of Eden when he told Adam and Eve, you shall not surely die. 
If you eat of this tree, what is that? When, when, when the devil says you're not going to die, he, he was telling them you have something immortal inside of you. So it was first lie that Satan ever told, this teaching of the immortality of the soul. Again, all cultures have their concept of that. Later, it was Plato's, uh, Plato's uh, Socrates, as they speculated about the state of the dead, they wanted to believe that something immortal about them existed. And so this, this lie has been taught down through history that you have an immortal soul. But what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 53, this has been referred to as the resurrection chapter. It says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal, notice that, this mortal, what we are now, mortal, subject to death. When you die, you're dead all over. This mortal must put on immortality. Now, when do we put it on? Now, I admit, immortality is something that we all want, but when do we put on immortality? We don't have it right now, because it says this mortal, that's what we are now, must put on immortality. That's what we yearn for. Well, we put it on at the resurrection. So, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 54, next verse says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal, what we are now, shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. You know, if you believe you have an immortal soul right now, well, death is already swallowed up in victory. Is it not? Well, yeah, it really is. If you, if you have an immortal soul, if you think you have, now, your Bible says that God only has immortality. Now, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a simple learner or something. But if I read a scripture, if I read a scripture that says God only has immortality, I just have a tendency to believe it and say, okay, evidently, God only has immortality. Well, let's check it out. First Timothy 6 and verse 16, who only has, speaking of God, who only has immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. So the, uh, the Bible says that at this time, God only has immortality. Now, again, I mentioned earlier that if you've been to seminary school, you right off the get-go are taught this lie that that man has an immortal inside of him he has this immortal soul that cannot die now i want to explain something about building your faith on a a faulty foundation building your faith on a lie you see when you start out with the foundation and you start out with a lie man has an immortal soul Man has something immortal inside of him that cannot die. Okay, that's the lie. That's the foundation. All right, the next thing you build upon it is also going to have to be a lie. You understand what I'm saying? So if you start out with a lie on the foundation, well, the next thing you stack on top of it also has to be a lie. So we, 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 we start out, okay, with the lie, man has an immortal soul, and then we say, hmm, okay, when he dies, if he's evil, what happens? Well, then we got to build another uh, another lie on top of that. And we have to say, okay, if he has an immortal soul, he can't be destroyed. So when he dies, he has to burn for all eternity and yet never burn up. 
Okay, that's the second lie. And then the third lie is, okay, when he dies, if he's good. Well, he can't, he can't really die. He's got something immortal in him. So he immediately has to go to heaven. That's the third lie, you see. So uh, this is what happens when you start out with a lie. One lie leads to another and to another and to another. And that's the problem. So when I talk about what gives hell its power, it's, it's, it's the, it, it is the false teaching of the immortal soul. That man has an immortal soul inside of him. Once you remove this foundational lie, everything makes sense. It really does. I once heard of a woman who, he, she was married to a, a uh, preacher, and he died at an early age. And, of course, he was a good man, and according to her thinking, teaching, mainstream Christianity, you know, he went to heaven because he was a good man. And she got remarried later in life, but she had a hard time in her new relationship with her new husband. She, it was very difficult when it came to, you know, making love because she always visualized her former husband, the minister, up in heaven watching everything. Now, again, you know, where does all this come from? Well, it comes from believing a lie. You know, if if she would have known the truth that her husband, when he died, he was dead, oblivious to the passage of time. He's he's not in heaven. He's not in hell. He's in the grave, and the dead don't know anything. That would have been comforting to her. But no, because she was believing a lie, it totally messed up her life, her marital relationship, and the way she was thinking. You know, it's what's called stinking thinking. If you're if you're thinking, and there is more stinking thinking in theology than any area you want to look at. I mean, if you just want to be confused, you know, get religious. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help you out of that because I don't think religion should be uh, confusing. It is simplistic. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense if you've been taught the right kind of things if you've been taught the truth. So let's summarize this. Are there wicked people who are going to have to experience hell, total destruction? You know, yeah, I think there's, but I think it's probably only a few. Ultimately, when all is said and done, when uh, by the time both resurrections have occurred and everybody's given a chance for their first chance for salvation, I think there's only going to be a few. You know, Jesus did warn but rather fear him which is able to destroy both spirit and body in hell. So what Jesus was talking about was complete annihilation. What happens to people who have to experience this lake of fire? We know your Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. You know, the wages of sin is not eternal life in a place called hell. You see, you've been lied to about the Bible. But the wages of sin, and this scripture is not talking about the first death. You know, that's not the wages of sin, this first death. It is appointed unto all men to die once. This little scripture here talks about in Romans 6 and verse 23 where it says the wages of sin is death. That's talking about the second death. But notice it is death. It is the end of you. Also, Malachi 4 and verse 3 talks about, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. Again, this is a reference to a time when this lake of fire will exist. Now, when will hell exist? 
When will it exist? Well, Second Peter 3 and verse 10, when the earth melts with fervent heat. And that is out into the future when God recycles the heavens and the earth and he creates a new heaven and earth. And will God set his hand to save everybody who will be saved or who will surrender to God in unconditional surrender? Yeah, he has a plan to do that. Second Peter 3 and verse 9, he, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.